Hello and welcome to the Reducated Podcast. I am Donnie and tonight with me my host, co-hosts are... Right on and we come to you talking about society and culture this week. We just want to let you know we're uh, coming at you for our first time. This is our first episode, getting things together, our reboot, so to speak, <laughs> at this point. I want to go ahead and uh, talk to my co-host a little bit, find out who we are, what's going on with us. So I'm going to ask Shada Kiss, what are you? Who are you? Did you grow up to be everything you wanted to be? No, I did not, but well on my way, still growing up. Um, I really wanted to, when I went to college, be a pediatrician and definitely did not end up there. Um, still in the helping field, but in a different aspect. Um, and so I'm still in the pathway, but growing and glowing. Right on. And Teddy, how about you? Did you uh, grow up to be everything you wanted to be? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. There were several things I wanted to be as a kid. One of them was a marine biologist, right? But Kevin don't like math like that, so that wasn't going to work out too well. We'll scratch that and edit that with my name in it. <laughs> um, and then the next thing is I wanted to do film. I really wanted to be a film producer and director. That probably trumped the marine biology. I really want to be a singing lawyer doctor. Like, I somehow thought I was going to accomplish all three. I was going to win a Grammy, do some surgery, <laughs> be at the Supreme Court. Like, I was yes. going to do all three. So, Dr. Strange. Three. Okay. <laughs> I was going to make that work. Dr. Stephen Strange. <laughs> like, you know, of course, I'm not any one of those three things today. Like... I think midway through an audition for the Andre Harrell when I was like 15, I realized that I did not want to be in the music industry. Like, Tell you, more. You, it's the gong show. When you're going on auditions and you're trying to, you know, get in front of these folks and you're trying to show your talent and they don't even look up from whatever they're doing and acknowledge your presence while you're trying yes. to, you know, like... Mm. And doing that over and over and being through that kind of thing, like, it just, that was not the life for me. So... You know, instead I chose a life of debt and overeducation and getting way too many degrees that are not serving me in any way, shape, or form at the moment. But that's a whole other topic. <laughs> you know, so, but since you didn't become what you wanted to be, like, who, how would you describe yourself? Like, what identities, like, what are your primary identities if you had to clarify who you are to somebody, like, Three top identities are your first introduction. Um, I think our podcast has a lot to do with, with um, who I am. I am, and I always say I'm righteous and ratchet. And in this case, I am uh, ratchet. I'm an educated person who um, wants to be better, wants to help other people be better, but still be authentic to who I am and and just. The vibes that I carry, like I am a down to earth person. I don't take myself too serious, but I'm serious about myself. If that makes sense. So yeah. I, I think that I'm a, a mash of many things, um, but overall, I think that I'm ratchet and educated, and okay. very much proud. So okay, yes, and I think there's many, many people who are in that lane, and just need somebody to identify and say, "This is where we at. Come join us." And so. Teddy, how do you identify, sir? I'm still thinking. You go before me. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, so like identities. I, 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 I'm a caretaker. I take care of my parents. Like that is a primary role. Um, I, I, I have two aging parents who, while they are completely physically able. And they are in their right minds, especially according to their doctors, because I've had them check. Mm. They behave as though they are not in their right mind. And therefore, I have become the caretaker of these two uh, ailing, aging individuals. Um, that's one identity. I, I consider myself a student of life. I'm also wrapping up this Ph.D., um, I, and I'm an educator. I look forward to educating other people, whether that be through Socratic inquiry, like, you know, questioning their reasoning and their thought processes, which my boyfriend hates. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much how I identify. That's who I am. That, that would be my top three identity, identities, ratchet, educated, you know, in that form and in that way. <laughs> Okay. Heavy, okay. heavy. Right, I'm like, so you hard. know, but it's one of those interview questions. It's one of those things that, like, almost any interview you pop up on, they ask you to tell you about yourself. Right. But it's like, what do they really want to hear? And I'm, as I'm honing in on that more myself, like, who are you? Like, yeah. what is your identity? Yeah. What's important to you? What do you value? Like, and I think identity or a lot of different things, but. We also show up in different spaces, um, more prominent in certain areas. And so for this, I am many other things, but for this platform, I am focused on the identities of my ratchet side, the yeah. space to create that. I am from an educated perspective, but I am definitely a love bug. I am a care bearer, so I care for way more than is in my possible reach. Um, and I'm definitely a part of that is me being a mom, but in this space, that will be sprinkled in, but overall, this is a space that I want people to feel like they can be, take off those hats, other hats of responsibility and speak to, in a ratchet way, just the sophistication of being educated and what comes along with that and how that impacts everything that we see and all the things we're going to talk about. Um, but I do agree with you there. It's a circle of life, and in this space in life, we are definitely taking care of people more than being taken care of. And it's always nice, which we'll tap on our relationships that help funnel being taken care of, which yeah. is a difficult thing because we're in a space now where we're really giving more than we're getting. I definitely want to talk about that some more oh, later. Sure. We're going to come back to yeah. that. We're not going to leave that alone. <laughs> but but you're not off the hook, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, 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 I was hoping I was like, yeah, that's we tried to stall for you, but yeah. nah, you still got to come. I was definitely trying to get away. Like, I must know who Katie is. Um, so, like uh, Donnie, I, I consider myself an educator as well. Uh, I won't say it's something that I pursued. I think it kind of found me. Yeah, <laughs> I think it kind of found me. Uh, also, so many degrees, so much debt. Why, God? Why? <laughs> but that's the conversation for another day, like we already said. There's so um, much debt. Uh, I would also say I'm also a student as well. I love to learn um, about so many different things. Like, I think there's so much that we're told that's not true. And we have to do a ton of unlearning in order to learn how things really are for ourselves. Yes. And so I love learning because 
I'm growing, I'm changing. I should be learning what works for me. You know what I'm saying? What I want to be in the midst of, what I want to be, you know, like all those things. So, um, uh, lastly, I would say I'm probably someone that's not very traditional. I think I don't typically go with the, the you know, how things normally go. I, I'm usually a rule breaker, and I'm usually one that likes to challenge everything, <laughs> if I can. So I, I would probably say that's probably another big thing of my identity. Um, and I'm just a very outspoken person. Like, I'm going to say what I want to say. <laughs> Sometimes it got to be real then, but I'm going to say what I want to say. I so. feel you. I feel you. It's funny, like, you touched on the rule thing. Like, I grew up with a military dad, and so, like... I am not a rule follower. I'm not an authority. Like, can't stand authority. All of that. It just irritates the shit out of me. Like, so I, I just find it funny, you know, when you mentioned that. But yeah, so of all of your identities and all the things that you're wrestling with right now, like, again, like Shady Kiss, you mentioned, sometimes your identity depends on what's going on and it ebbs and flows and it's contextual. Yes. So, of all of your identities currently battling for attention, for energy, for, you know, growth this week, which identity do you feel is the most salient right now? Like, which identity is, like, me? Probably me. I need to take my cape off um, and be present for other people and be present for myself. Yeah. I literally came over like, I'm exhausted and I need time for just shady kiss. Like, because I give so much, like I was saying earlier, it's like the giving space of, in life and I'm being in a relationship, being a mother, being a boss, I'm trying to become my own business boss. And still knowing that all of those things can only be taken care of by me, I have to figure out time for myself. So this week, who's screaming for me is me. Um, and so I'm trying to figure that out because I always tend to find a way to put me behind the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. So um, trying to be as equally as present for myself as I am for everything and everybody else is what I am struggling with this weekend probably the weeks before, but that is what I'm going to create some space and time for throughout this holiday season. Even if it's just one day, like like we were talking about, just to sleep, that's what my soul Just that one day to sleep. Just one day just to sleep, not have any agenda, No, everyone know that this is what I need to be shut down. Like, they need to bring back nap time. Remember in kindergarten where, like, half the day you were required? See, that's the should be part of every day. You know, like, (laughs) and other countries understand that. I don't understand why we think we're the greatest nation in the world and we haven't figured out nap time. We can be productive with nap time. (laughs) (laughs) Most people probably are not sleeping. Or sleeping well. You know, yesterday was the, the elections. So somebody next campaign needs to campaign on nap time, and they yeah, have four things at all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get nowhere, no type of attention. We ain't gonna get more. You know, um, holistic principles. Uh, like, yeah, no, right, <laughs> right. Because that person four days ain't gonna make it past the preliminaries. Hell no. For whatever reason, even though we all agree that that's what we're needing. 
that person for whatever reason won't succeed. Because we love to vote against our own self-interest. Yeah. Okay. Well, our bonus segment sounds like we want another. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we we gonna come back to that too. We are gonna talk about it too. Okay. You know, put it in the parking lot. All right. Put it in the parking lot. So, Teddy, what are your identities right down the length of this week? Like, what's what's the most salient? What's competing for attention and energy the most? Uh, this week? Uh, I think, like, Shady Kids, just me. Like, I, I will say the last two years I've been really learning how to be me. And... Like, all of my identities are going to show up because it, they all make who I am. So it's never like I'm going to show up in a space and I'm going to use three of them. Like, they're always there. It's just whether or not I tell you all of them. So, like, they're always competing because they're all a part of me. I think right now what's really kicking my ass is probably more of the entrepreneurial identity that I am in the midst of living if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. That has been beating my ass. I ain't no friend. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to figure out how to do this thing. Because there is no book on how to be an entrepreneur. People will tell you lots of things, but let me tell you, depending on what business you are, the market you're in, where you live at, who your networks are, like that can mean absolutely nothing for you. Like, So just figuring out what this means for me, how this works for me, and how is this really going to advance the things that I want. Yeah. Like because I know a nine to five was it ain't working. <laughs> it just it wasn't working for me no more. It, you know, it, so why? What about the nine to five wasn't working? Like why was that? Well, number one, I don't like authority. So we talked about right. That. <laughs> right. Um, sure number two, I got tired of being in spaces where I'm getting told what to do by people that are I am smarter than, and not even trying to toot my own horn, but when I have to explain things to you that you should know because you're in a higher position and you're making at least. At least. I expect you to be able to work miracles around what I'm able to do. And if I'm able to work circles and miracles around you, that's a problem. Um, And I got tired of that. I got tired of trying to to fit in spaces that were not made for me to fit in. And what I mean, not just being black, not just being queer, those other things, but just being me. Like, trying to change who I am to fit in a space so I can make a salary, so I can Mm -hmm. afford a lifestyle. For a life that I really didn't even want to live, but I thought it was the life I should have been living. And I was like, yeah, man, ain't nothing that's working for me, homie. <laughs> no, because I mean, most places, especially in higher education, they're not paying nearly what they should be paying. Like, you know, I, I, in honest full disclosure, I think at some point we've all been in the same industry. Everybody in this room has all been, you know, working for the same folks. And we know people that have gone on to other industries and are making double and triple what they were making in comparable positions with us. And it's not even that they took a higher position or a higher title. They took, Some of them took a, a slightly lower title. And they still make it double what they were making in higher education. Like, you know, so you go into something that you care about. You, you know, for me... It was really important to me that I worked in something that I felt like I was making a difference. I can't go into a job where I'm giving all my productivity. I'm a very driven person. I'm very ambitious. And if you give me a project, I'm going to see it through and I'm going to put my nose at the grindstone. I can't see myself doing that when I know that the product I'm turning out at the end of the day is not advancing other people in some way, shape, or form. So that's why I didn't go corporate. But damn, pay me like <laughs> right. I would get all this education and training and like yeah. 
I have all this experience. There's all this stuff I'm willing to do, but you won't pay me what I'm worth because I work in public service and don't nobody want to fund that shit. And yeah, like. But that's wild because you, the key word you just said right there, working in public service. Flip side, we got all these politicians raising all this money and don't nobody pay a fee. Did you see where the one Democrat that was up against uh, the crazy lady down in Georgia, I don't want to say her name, but he raised $15 million and still lost by 30 points? $15 million in a House race? I'd be so mad. In a House of Representatives race, $15 million and still lost by 30 points. Not only is this lady crazy, these people are still going to vote for her, but she spent an absurd amount of money. Ridiculous. An absurd amount of money on an election, like a popularity contest for crazy people. And nobody makes a peep. They say something, but it's like, oh, that's typically how it goes. But God forbid teachers ask for 60000 a year, which is God still forbid. low for teachers. God forbid they ask for 60000 and it's, oh my God, you want too much? No, they just want to be able to afford the rent. You know, like, rent is that kind of stuff, you know. And I guess for me, like, if we're going back to that question of like most salient identities, and like you were talking about the entrepreneurship, like, I'm a landlord trying to get, you know, property together, trying to get work done on a property, trying to get quality work and not get stuck by people paying you nothing, like, not wanting yeah. to pay, do what you paid them for. Like, I got some stories about stuff that has happened while I've been dealing with this property. You know, but then, like, taking care of my mom and, like, okay, so, I think I told Teddy about this, but took mom's voting the other day. Mm -hmm. Now, you know you're not allowed to, like, talk to people, really, once they're at the machine. Like, you're not supposed to do that. Now, granted, this is my mama, but these people don't know who this lady is. So I'm standing there. I finished voting. I turn in my ballot. I turn around, and my mother, Brandon, <laughs> waves me over. So I'm coming over because I'm like, maybe she can't see something. Maybe I don't know who to vote for. Who do I vote for? Oh and I said, Mama, I can't tell you that. And I'm turning to walk away, and this lady <laughs> says, but Brandon, wait. Okay, who did you vote for? I just looked at all the poll workers and just walked out the building. Like, just, like, you know. So, like I said, there's nothing wrong with my mama. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. Like, I'm sure, like, she's been voting, like, before I was born. Like, this is just how she likes to live her life. (laughs) So, like, you know, as a caretaker for that kind of crazy, where you're like, I don't know what she gonna do today. Mommy, you're voting straight. He was like, Democrat. Democrat. (laughs) Mommy, what is that Republican name? I was like, Linda, you're not supposed to. But Lady Daphne was just chuckling. He was like, Mommy, let's go to the next one. He was like, So on this page, are you going to do Democrat or Republican? I was like, I don't need you to go stand in the corner. I was like, Linda, you're not supposed to be that loud with things. So, okay. And he just. He has helicopter whispering like myself, so it is. You know. oh, so so, he, so even when he tried to whisper, he said, Mommy, 
And I was like, but I'm gonna decide. <laughs> 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 I'm screaming. Yes, I'm he was. He was really like, I am being quiet. Like, just chuckling. I was like, well, why is she laughing? Because she hears me. So. But it was me all over again, so I almost couldn't judge. I'm like, well, he's a I character. He's a character, but it was like he is a character. Uh, good thing that I feel like I'm with my people in here because if not, Linus would have me in here getting jumped because they was not happy with me. Because uh, he was very loud. I mean, they were talking because he was little. Um, I mean, he's younger, but at the same time, I was like, this is for me privacy. So. Oh my god! Yeah, so he's in the lane with your mother. Kids he's and not old crazy, people. But kids and old people. Babies and fools. I, <laughs> I told you about my story. So it was very interesting. I couldn't wait to share that with everyone because I'm like, one, he's a character. So everybody had an interesting voting. Yeah. I had an yeah. old lady and her mama, and her mama should not have been voting. Oh, God. Sis didn't, sis didn't, didn't want to read, didn't want wanted somebody to do everything for her. It was asking her daughter who to vote for, and the daughter was answering. Man, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> and the poll workers over there whispering, can't whisper. They know they ain't supposed to tell each other who to vote for. <laughs> you know we can hear you, right? And this was your training. Didn't they get you guys to? You, you know. know. But you would have it would be like, hey, where the Republican poll watchers at? Y'all outside? So Come and get your right. grandma. I was like, because clearly none of y'all was in here. Come get your grandma. Like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> and she wasn't voting Republican. So <laughs> you. <laughs> I just knew that people thought I wasn't there voting Republican. Or more mixed up because the way Linus was bringing it off, <laughs> it was both parties messing with me. So he was like, what's a libertarian? I was like, okay, that's enough. You're proud. Like, good boy, you can read. I'm so happy. He had never heard the third option. So he was like, what's going on here? Like, y'all got too much going on. He's a third? Now imagine if he thinks we got too much going on, how grown folks feel. And the people from other countries. Because I can't tell you, I was scrolling social media and I seen some (laughs) posts and it said, American politics. Everyone gets a puppy. Democrats, diarrhea forever. Republicans, <laughs> and the Democrat was barely just winning most over the diarrhea. But every, but all the comments, people from America, yep, you're not wrong. Right. I said, and I was cackling because I was reading it going, and everyone kept giving different iterations. Like it's actually diarrhea forever and diarrhea as well as a puppy. And I said. That's no, a puppy with diarrhea. That was another one of the interviews. Or, or you get diarrhea forever. Like. But actually, some of us can stand to lose a few pounds of diarrhea forever. I said, why is this the fact that all of us in the comments you are know, like, yeah. But I need new carpet anyway, so. I was like, this is ghetto. Earth is very ghetto. I got tile floors. It's not that big of a deal. Like. You know, but yeah, so topics, when we talk about this podcast, we said we're talking about society and culture, and like, one of the memes, or not memes, but videos that I sent you guys earlier this week was talking about masculinity and toxic masculinity and um, how masculinity is defined, and it got me to thinking, and I toss this out to you guys, like, when we talk about masculinity and toxic masculinity, we go so far as just, you know, saying what toxic masculinity is, but like, how do you teach masculinity or talk about masculinity in the context of our culture and society now? 
without offending somebody or without going too far in terms of saying, well, this is what masculinity is and someone's still not problematizing, you know, even what your definition is, no matter how educated and careful you are Mm -hmm. about trying to describe what that is. Like, how do we handle that? Like, has that disappeared? No. Critical thinking skills are not widespread. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. I mean, okay. Climate, the current climate that we're in now, no, someone is going to be offended because someone wants to be offended. Like <laughs> we're no longer in a in a space where there's grace given for mm-hmm. mistakes, like like or even having a different point of view is heresy, and it's like. Hey y'all, you know, critical thinking actually like causes that to happen. People see things differently because we all have different viewpoints. Because we all have different backgrounds, right? But our schools don't teach that. They teach this is what you what it is and this is how you should know how to do it. We had this conversation earlier. There's many ways to get to the answer, but yet you tell me all the ways I give you is wrong, even though I'm getting to the same answer because you don't like my work. So you know what I'm It's not that I didn't show my work, it's that you didn't like what I showed you. Or it wasn't the answer you expected, even though it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So I think that's a, I think that's a lot of what's happening today, and and I will say I, I believe people have become overly sensitive. Overly sensitive. But I think we've been desensitized so long. It's like you know the pendulum swings. We were desensitized so long. People getting killed, murdered on Facebook, or watching these videos, like we're oh, watching on TV, like. We are so decent. Like horror films are not horror anymore. It's just gore porn. That's like we like we have been so desensitized that now it's swinging the other way. And everything everyone says or does now is like, oh my god, sensitivity training needs to be done. No, we don't know how to live in a happy medium. Like we just keep swinging because right. everything needs to be an extreme because no one wants to have the hard conversation in the middle. Yeah, and, and that, I think that's what my concern is, and I think that's the concern I'm hearing in other places. When we talk about these proud boys and these folks that define themselves as uh, in, infidels, incels, I mean, they got a whole lot of extra issues, don't get me wrong, but... Do they have a point? Like, because my mother always raised me with even a fool can teach you something. So when I'm listening to these fools, like, is there still something to be learned in what they're talking about? And is there a disappearance of masculinity? As much as we've tried to create space and room for everyone else and try to extinguish toxic masculinity, have we gotten away from allowing room for masculinity? And like as a mother to a child, especially a young boy, you know your your husband's in the house as well. But like, are there times that you're like, huh? You could be a little softer. You could be a little harder. You could like, have we gotten away from that conversation? I definitely think that it all is relative to like, um, Petty T said. Uh, it's relative to what our backgrounds and experiences are and what we bring individually to the fold. But it's just about defining things and the way that things have been defined, especially in our era and generation, is very different than how fluid the children um, and the next generation you know, are. So the way that my son accepted, um, for instance, we were talking, we were watching a video and the guy was with a a white girl or getting ready to marry a white girl 
and he already knows he didn't understand <laughs> he didn't understand why he didn't understand why everyone in the video was talking mess about oh. the two together okay. because he's in a world where they don't make such a big deal about that like the new generation <coughs> make a big deal um, about color about sexuality and things is taught to them based off of the things we were taught for but he doesn't make a big deal about it and when he was asking us, he was asking more like, why does it make a difference? Why did those people say that they were mad at her for not being with a white guy? And why were the other people saying they're mad at him for not being with a black, uh, a black woman? And I was trying to explain without putting anything confusing on it. But mm-hmm. it was difficult because I can be very objective. <coughs> I see both sides. <clears throat> because I can see about creating um, generations because my son is chocolate. I'm I'm a black woman. His father's a black man. So I can see how people can see like if you don't um, date or appropriate with your own race how you can change the bloodline. It can do all these different things. And so when you're talking about the proud boys and things of that nature like I can see where you want to keep generations of like your family and things of that nature. Um, and I can see that coming from love mm-hmm. and not from hate. But it's the, the extreme, like, like not having the balance. So yeah. I have to be mindful to share with him like that it is, it is important to maybe more some than another that you take pride in your race and you understand about your history and things. And sometimes people feel like that can only happen when you are amongst your own and have that creation. So I didn't want him to think that I was completely against interracial dating, but at the same time, I didn't want him to not understand how much pride and you have in who you are. And who I am is, and I show up as an African-American woman who is with an African-American man who produces a beautiful chocolate prince. And so it, it goes back and forth with me. So it was a difficult conversation just because I know the nature of the world he's growing up in is not acceptable for what I was taught him. But the world hasn't so, ruined him yet. That's the like yeah, he hasn't been exposed to enough exactly. yet to know that like yes. other people are gonna have an issue with this and eventually you're gonna form your own opinion about it. Yes. But these are all the other opinions that are yes. out there and, and he's like, all about being kind. I mean he had a little boy where we had to start talking about race with him, and he was in first grade. I came back when they were doing Martin Luther King, and the little boy obviously heard it at home and said that he heard, had a, he's like, um, I had a dream that black people can't be president. And he was basing, he was saying that because obviously the I have a dream speech that they were learning in class. He took it home, and that's something that was said in his household. And being a kid who's pure, he came back to school and said it when predominantly his class are black children. So they were all upset, and then he came home explaining that to us because he didn't really, really know. Like, although we are black, we talk about it, he didn't realize that it was such a difference. And he was like, Mommy, you're black, Nana's black. He went through the whole list of who was all black. And it made me feel ashamed. Like, how did my child not know he was black? But it wasn't about that. Like, when I really listened to him, instead of putting my energy on it, it was really the fact that he was so confused that that kid yeah. had... Do you remember when you found out you were black? Like, do you remember, like, the as a kid, the moment you were like, "Oh shit, I'm black." Like, 
Really? Yeah, that's what. I didn't have a choice. His dad said the same I, thing. I, 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 I mean, I learned once I moved from Chicago and moved to my small town because it was predominantly white, and so they made they. That's how I knew. But when I was at my very diverse, racially diverse school, I, I didn't necessarily know. I was, was in first grade when it was pointed out to me, and I was like, okay. I was five years old and like, you know, everybody around me was black except for like my teachers. I went to a parochial school, but like most of my teachers were black. The teachers aides were white. Some of the folks that worked in the office were white, but like nothing about them was the same as the white people on TV. They sounded like the rest of us. So like, you know, still conceptually there was no like, but I was on the playground up at the lakefront. Grew up in Chicago. We were um, right across from Museum of Science and Industry up at the lakefront. Yeah. On, I was on, playing on the jungle gym. Yeah. And this little girl walks up to me and says, so do you know what a nigger is? I'm like, no, what's a nigger? You are. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go trying back to my mom. <laughs> Mommy, guess what? I'm a nigger. <laughs> right? Like, Miss Black Panther. Like, like <laughs> mama, you know, Mama was a revolutionary. I grew up speaking key Swahili and shit. Like, you know, so I go like, Mommy, I'm a nigger. Next thing I know, we're back up at the playground and mommy is yelling at this little girl and that's when I learned like all these racial epithets for like people of Latino descent <laughs> and I'm like okay so then my mom took me back and we had to like have that conversation and she was like you're black and people are gonna treat you this way and things are gonna happen because I'm like so it was like what do you mean I'm black <laughs> and this is good like you know so I get like where Linux is like to some extent, depending on how you're raised and like what's around you, even though you see people of different colors, there were other people of different colors in my family already. But there was nothing about that that made me conceptualize that there was anything different about me or them. Mm -hmm. Like, and as prideful as my mom was and as pro-black as my mom was, she just told me to be prideful in who I am, not you be prideful in who you are because other people aren't. Yes. Like it was so. No, my mother is the exact same way. She is from Oakland, so she was her brothers were Black Panthers. She was very pro Black, um, and we were raised in a small, predominantly white town. Um, however, my family was very well known and very um, popular in that town, so it came with its own privilege. Um, however, she still, for me to just love everyone and different things of that nature. It was different than her upbringing, and she she instilled some things in me. However, it didn't fit into the scene of where she had chose to raise us, and the lifestyle that we had was very different than hers. So she had to be more accepting, and it was a hard pill for her to swallow. And so with Lennox, he has a lot of my spirit, so I just automatically understand his plight. But I was shocked because it made me feel like I dropped the ball. Like, how does my child not know he's black? Like, it made me feel like, am I doing something? Am I not showing enough pride? It made me question myself just because, and as uh, he's my only, it made me realize once we start talking to him, having conversations with other people, that that that's just the nature of it. And he's actually a really good person because it wasn't like he didn't know he was black because we're ashamed and things of that nature. It was more about that it wasn't relative in his life. Like, the difference didn't impact him. We wouldn't We didn't raise him. For him to feel inferior because he's very confident, nor for him to feel superior over other people because mm-hmm. of anything. So when the, it was more about the child sparking 
a rejection to him. Like, what do you mean? I, I don't know, but I can't do anything. And you're saying because I'm black, I can't be a president? Like, whoa. That, so that it was more about that that shocked him. Like, so mommy, because I, I'm black, first and foremost. And <laughs> me being black means I can't be this. No one told me this. So it was that was the shock for him. Yeah. That there's limitations for me. Like, I ain't Linux. Like, things just happen. Like, I woke up like this. What do you mean? Yeah. And so that's what it was. So it was like, okay, shop, I was about to put my Shady Kids was about to put her uh, energy and his upbringing on the situation. And that's not even where he was. Yeah. Um, but it did show me that it's taught, it's taught to these children. Oh, it's like, definitely It's about being confident and comfortable in yourself. But like, if that's the case, though, is masculinity like? So Teddy, would you say masculinity then is like facial hair and like that's it? Like wearing having a beard makes you masculine, but otherwise, like if you put on some nails and paint them, you feminine. Is it more about the aesthetic or is it more about how you carry yourself and how you approach things, like? So, this is a very nuanced topic. It, it is. <laughs> I think there's many things that go into it. Before I can answer that, I think it's culture. Mm-hmm. It's gender roles. Mm-hmm. It's media. Yeah. And I feel like we can't answer that question because we're getting messages, different messages from every single place. <laughs> um, for me, when I think of a man, I think of action. Like, <clears throat> growing up in a very Christian home, I'll just put it that way. <laughs> um, you know, you, 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 you're exposed to the Bible a lot, the things that are in the Bible, and, and the way they talk about men, women, the, and, you know, um, the church representing the bride, you know, all these feminine things that they, you know, they ascribe these attributes. And most of the time, it seems like a man's actions defines who he is. It should be based off of the actions you know, what he does. Right. Should be, right? But I think that gets skewed when we start, when we jump into culture. So before we even get into gender roles, I think that gets skewed once we jump into culture. And so this is what I mean by specifically <clears throat> black culture, right? We know we have an issue around men in the home. So there's been a, there's been attributes that have been placed on men. That this is how a man should be because of all the issues around men in the home in our community. So it's like, oh, so you should go to work. You should not cry. You should be able to take care of me and the kids and handle everything because you're a man. That's not how it works. 
It's a, like, but the, but to me, you're, what you're suggesting is that it's the expectation that creates toxic masculinity. Like, I'm having two thoughts. One, you remember that other video? I, I think I sent it to both of you on Instagram. But a woman was saying, you know, we define masculinity this way, and we expect, you know, if a boat is getting ready to go down, and we say women and children on the boat first, and we're going to look at a man funny and think he's less of a man because he cares about his life and is like, wait, what about me? I'm getting on a damn boat. Right. So because a man cares about his own life and is not willing to die for you, that makes him less of a man. That defines his masculinity as being less than. Like, and I think that's when I said, I think that's when it gets skewed once it hits culture. Because that example right there, the Titanic, right? Mm -hmm. The movie, right? We saw what he did when he got on the boat. She could have let him own that damn wardrobe. No, I don't not, care. Not Jack, the former fiance that oh, had the child and yeah. the father. I'm gonna get on the boat. Oh hell okay. yeah, he was funny because I would have done the same damn thing. I wouldn't mad at him. I'm about to die. But look how temporary his shame on his name was. I mean, nobody knew he did it in the first place. Was he? But imagine if it was a black man, if it was a Latino. If it was an Asian man, imagine how the how the conversation, the story, everything would be totally different. Because is it those cultures have an even stricter line about what it means to be yeah. masculine, and therefore even stronger tinges of strong, toxic masculinity. Because that's where I, that's where I, so that's where I said I think it once we hit cultures, that's when things start to get where it starts to go. Because I mean, if we say you know man's actions, every culture can say based off of man's actions. I think once we start to break out into the different cultures is where we start to see the toxic masculinity. And then that starts to be perpetuated by the media and it gets fed into everybody else. So other cultures start picking pieces from what they see maybe from our culture. We may pick stuff up from white culture, which we know we got a lot of black people that just want to be in black, want to be black and white face. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, but even on like Jay-Z, the, the lyric, you know, a man that t can't take care of his family or that doesn't take care of his family, can't be rich. So, defining a man that way, like, a man takes care of his family, a man can only be wealthy and rich if he's actually making sure his family is secure. What is wrong with me teaching that to my son? What is wrong with me wanting my son to believe that that's a form of what it means to be a man? Like... You just said it right there. Form. Not this is. Like, see, you, you said this is, this is how, you, this is what it could look like. I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching yeah. that, but you have to be able to say, but there are other ways how to be a yes. man. And I think that's the conversation that never happens. It's never, some men are like this. They're still a man. Some men are like this. Some men are like this. We all, we but all, these are the men that I respect. <laughs> like, that's a whole other layer right there. But I think what's going on in your household, like it, that part can't be ignored because that's like with anything to me. It's a spectrum. Like you... It's about standards and values, and in this household, this is what we the standard and the value is. I mean, unfortunately, that's just that's what it is, um, and that's where it becomes toxic to some people because if they don't fit into whatever that paradigm that's created in the household, whatever the mission and values in the household, yep. then they are outcasted. However, that doesn't mean to me that that person is not a man or or what. But like, have you said? There are different forms, um, and there are different ways. It's no different than saying that we, were, when we initially started talking about our education, there's different ways to be successful. 
We were just taught that this was the way. Because in our time, get a degree, they said. It'll be yes. fine, they said. But that was also, <laughs> also systemic. <laughs> like, some of our cultural things was based off of the system, and the system um, needed that to make money. Like, that was just the way in which, you know, they've pushed everyone in order to get us indebted. Like, the educated, the next level, the middle class folks, how are we able to get more bang for our buck out of them? To me, it's just a systemic piece of it all that goes way deeper. And so, to me, when it comes to the structure of masculine and femininity, femininity, that was created by the system for it to be roles to control. Because it's easier to separate and divide. So, to me, it's... It's no different than marriage and things. It's really a property. I mean, like, we use things from the Bible to control the spirits and minds of people. So things are just about how you perceive and perception is reality. So a lot of the things about masculinity and, and femininity, like Petty was saying, is from the Bible. And that's what they, we, they use to compare. So if it comes from the Almighty and all high, it's hard... They make it feel like it's hard to combat that. So our original framework was already flawed to start with. I, I mean, we're just going to throw it out there. Let's go ahead and say it. I mean, because I it's mean, perception. Because no one actually can say, I mean, to me, when it comes to the word, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, because religion is a whole different mind, Jedi mind tricking. <laughs> spirituality <laughs> is what's in, to me, is where it's well within. And when it's truth, it feels true. I mean, there's many songs that when you know it's the truth, because you feel it. So uh, when I'm in the word, I know when it's from him, when it's in red, because it feels in my blood. Like, I feel it. I don't need to be told it. And it convicts me in a different way. That's just me, because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in tune with my spirituality. But when I go by religion, that's somebody controlling me. And most of us have an innate, God allows you for you to have your own um, will. Yeah. So when someone's telling you how your will is supposed to be, it's like... But we were raised well, with it. And those of us that went to parochial we school, it was used to get us in line and make us do what so we were supposed us, to do. In your intro, rebuke it. Say, I get behind me, you do not control me. And that's how people are with authority. Yeah. Because it's a control mechanism. Um, but those of us who are educated understand that there's discipline in good work. And so... You're, we, we're where we are because of the discipline, um, but we're ratchet enough to know that my will is free. You don't control this, and so that's where we you know, fight for our rights and things. And I feel like a lot of people are fighting for their rights, and that's why it's so fluid on all these labels, because a lot of labels were created by, like, who are you to tell me that I'm this? Who are but you? But that's the problem with labels to start with. Like, yes. labels in and of themselves, like, so last night... Mm -hmm. My dude and I got into what he considers to be our first big argument. I call it a lively discussion that he was not hearing me. Um, <laughs> a lively discussion in which I was not being heard. Um, but we all have different ideas of what words mean in different contexts that we're approaching things with. So when we're having these conversations about masculinity, like even though the three of us like know each other, I guarantee you the three of us don't have the same framework no, even. No. No, and even though we came from similar backgrounds to yes. some extent, like yeah. it's still a very different, like I, when I think about masculinity, I think about my great grandfather. 
95 years old, still going outside trying to change the oil on his car. He used to take me outside to change the oil. Never got mad about anything. Always calm, cool, collected. Was the evil, level-headed. But made sure everything was ready and taken care of. Made sure everybody was, you know, good to go. But other than that, like, there was no, oh, you dressed... Okay. I'm going to take that back. I was going to say in terms of even aesthetics, but I'm going to take that back. I had a tail when I was about five. I love tails. And my grandfather told me he was going to give me a haircut, and I made him promise he wasn't going to cut off my tail. That was the first damn thing that man cut off. Of course. Of course. Long hair. Right. The first thing he went for. You know. Right. Like, you know, so his ideas of masculinity, like, even though that is my framework for masculinity, like, he had a framework that was slightly toxic. Like, you know, so that's what made me ask about it. But even when we talked about it among us earlier this week, toxic femininity, like, what is toxic femininity? How do you define, like, we talk about a lot about toxic masculinity. I hear it as a, a regular conversation. And maybe I hear it more from, certain parts of the media or it depends on what you're watching but i don't hear people frame or talk about toxic femininity like what is that like so much all the time um i even i even i feel like as more i matured i was definitely very toxic and i didn't realize it um because my disposition is usually so bubbly i didn't realize how toxic i was when it comes to my femininity um and it's because you want I don't want to be placed in the box or labels. And I was a daddy's girl, so very independent. He was basically a male whore. <laughs> and so he taught me all the things uh, and pointed out all the things that made me have like a lot of game that I didn't get caught up the same way as the other girl. But I was okay. still very engaging. Game recognized game. Yeah, and I, right. so I love men because I'm not a man. So I love, and so I had always really great and deep relationships. With men and women, but I had a lot of guy friends that I learned from, and I just feel like from learning from them, I was always trying to be a step ahead or kind of manish in that way, and I thought it was cute to be ahead uh, or think think I thought like think a guy, like a man, like and that's how we're trained. Yes, and I think that it's good to have game, but I don't think that it's okay now that I'm older to literally try to have a pistol race with a man. And to prove that I'm independent. I don't think that's necessary. Like, I used to overly try to... I was trying to prove that I didn't need a man. And Prove it to yourself or to him? Both. Okay. Both. Prove it to other people, too. Because you are trained by so many women in a certain era who follow behind their man and signed on to things and dealt with things because they felt like they had to. So a lot of them raised their daughters to be independent so they didn't have to rely on a man. And I feel like it was an extreme. So a lot of people in my age bracket were raised by women who either didn't have a man, so they're bitter, or had a man and wanted their daughters to have better in the dynamic of relationship. So it caused a lot of us to be overly independently successful and in competition with our counterparts that we wanted to be our men, but we weren't taught how to be in a relationship, how to, no one teaches you that, they just expect it out of you. Um, and something that I did not like, I don't like, I think it's not what you say is how you say it type of person. Yeah. Because I think everything needs to be said, but in respect of who you're talking to and why you're talking about it. 
And so I feel like I didn't like Kevin Samuels because he was disrespectful in his delivery. And I feel like it was that was just like a He was just maker. blunt. It was, but it's still a way to deliver. When you have an uncomfortable conversation, it's a way to be respectful in how you yeah. deliver. Because it's not about the message, it's about how it's received. You could say, I could talk about it long, but if no one wants to listen, it's like this podcast, then we ain't got no viewers and it ain't going nowhere. Right. And right. Then how far is my message going? But if I say it in a way that it connects to people, then it's going to carry around and then it's really a message. But in our society and culture right now, that overly direct, abrasive, I don't fuck your feelings is. What is it? Go, but you can't say that we are so. Sensitive. Again, it's not the only road there, but that's exactly. what people. But no, that seems to be what people like. What people saying was true, but you yeah. can't. You have to remember who you're talking to. There are certain people who you're talking to, but where I was going, not with everybody's it, gonna take it. Yes, but where I was going with it, what he was saying was truth to life. Is when it comes to women, if you want something, who like if you want to be a wife, who taught you to be a wife? Other than saying like. Because I had friends at college that their mom sent them to college, white friends, to get a husband. That yes. was I heard that so Absolutely. frequently when I was an undergrad. Oh, she want her MRS, not yes. her. She don't care about her DR dot. Yes. It's her MRS. And I'm because like, what? I, I mean, I had a friend. She had money at college, and her mom knew the and She would say that to us, and she would say like, Kayla, you. Are she would her boyfriend was still back at home because he was a year younger, and her mom would be coming to report to her like, I come to pick you up and all these different things to get her back home, and she would be getting on her about like you're studying too much, you're worrying about stuff up here too much, you need to worry about Brandon like, and I would literally just ask her like she's like she her father and her dad would literally go find it. It was mind boggling to actually see it in real life because she heard about it, but her mom was literally on her for trying to be too great on her own report. Like, that's not what I sent you here for. Like, her mom said that one time. It's Kayla. We didn't send you up here for you to be in your books all the time. And she's like, "What? I mean, what is your purpose? What are you trying to do? But I'm hearing so, two. So what's the difference between so to- being a toxic female and toxic femininity? Like, cause, because the femininity is a label that is placed on a female. Um, when you are not giving, like no different than the man, when you're giving given a label that you don't necessarily want to fit under. Like I want, I'm a relationship girl, but I didn't understand that how I was showing up in competition with my mate would bring challenges and make it hard. Um, because I was saying I want this, but I was acting like this. Because the describe the behavior you're describing from yourself to me is being a toxic female, but the toxic femininity is that woman coming and saying, "Oh, you got to." shape yourself and spend all your time focusing on being who to be to get this man like you guys were almost the exact opposite am i like am i hearing like this girl was being overly feminine where her mother was encouraging her to be extra feminine to ignore being independent all to sacrifice to make sure she got a man to make sure she earned that mrs that's toxic femininity to me but being in competition with a man when you don't have to is the toxic female like you know you're you're just coming from different because it's still a taught thing like a toxic femininity is telling you that this is the way that you're supposed to be and i'm telling you from coming from as a black woman it was taught to us that you have to have your own so the way i'm acting and showing up is just a out it's the response of my being taught that you need to go get your like i was taught the opposite thing you were taught to behave like the girl that you were taught the same things her mom was telling you but she were going the exact opposite direction i was taught by my mom to be independent to go to school to create this pathway so that way you can take care of yourself in that when you start to get in that mindset 
you do start to think about self. You're not thinking about, oh, I need to be a certain way for my mate. And so, but she was being taught. Her mom was holding her accountable because she wanted to be successful like I did. She wanted a husband like I did. Her mom was just telling her, like, how to have that. The only way to have that is if you don't put so much into yourself so you have time to be all about him. Yeah. Where in our situation, we are told that you need to build your own because in order, you need to be a power cup. You need to be to look be looked at as an equal um, to that man. And that is, that was a part of being feminine. It's like you have to bring something to the table. You don't want to rely on the man. You don't want to be a burden on the man. And so that's what most of the black women that I was going to school, that's what their mothers or their grandmothers were telling them to do. Like, we were at school for this purpose. So then it's going back to what we were talking about in terms of culture, what Teddy was saying, and once she put it in the cultural context, from a white perspective, it is be... Because their men are set up differently. As soft as possible. It goes back to the toxic masculinity. Their men were taught that they are taking care of the household and they have opportunities from the system created so they can take care of their families where that's not the exact situation for our men. So for our men, our mothers are like, we stayed at home, but daddy was burned down and he was frustrated and he so in their minds they're like next generation we gonna make sure that you bring bacon to the table too so daddy ain't so stressed out so you can be his partner and not his burden because of how the world treats daddy toxic masculinity so we were handed down something that as what kevin samuels was saying is that's not what a man wants. a man don't care how many degrees you got how many if you want a high value man he wants you to be able to like the white woman was telling her daughter, he wants you to be available. He yeah. wants you. So that's the thing is like the the toxic piece is like what is coming from our households? What are, what are we really dealing with to say that that's how we have to show up? Yeah. Tell you who are the few toxic females in your life. <laughs> Name them. Call them out. That's going to get me in trouble. masculinity and you know how we talk about it is a response this is my own opinion make sure I'm clear so people understand this is my opinion I feel like when we have these conversations about toxic masculinity it's in response to white masculinity and trying to break away from what has been the dominant norm patriarchy and I feel like all all the other cultures are trying to break and find what works within our that's me. The different. That's different from theirs. It works with our culture. It works with our men. This is how. This is how we'll get ahead. This is how we shape our boys, our, our young men, or whatever. And it feels like every culture is trying to pick and choose. I don't want to be like that, but we should be like this. And like everyone's trying to have a different variation. And in those variations, they're not paying attention to the potholes that are still there. They just want to cover it up with something else. They call it something different, but it's like you still don't have the infrastructure needed to support what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's the. And I think We've that seen back, it historically repeatedly. And I think that goes back to your point about the Proud Boys and stuff like that. Again, so then when cultures do all these changes, you know, we, we have these conversations. You know, well, word of mouth is the fastest way things spread, right? Well, that ends up informing our media, and then those messages get sent back to us. And so we get movies with these different messages about how men should be. Um, and but media also sends out messages about well this is the way things are changing. So now they think oh it's less it's less it's less white men that are going to be in charge because you said we're dwindling numbers. I, 
you're dwindling numbers in this particular part, mm-hmm. which you need to because you've been dominating so long. Mm-hmm. It's room for uh, there's time for other people. But population wise, yeah. they're going down too. They're not having as many but, babies. <laughs> that's why the Supreme Court. That's exactly but that's a whole other topic. We'll come back to that. But I think, but I think, <laughs> but I think that that's that's all part of it, and then that goes into the gender roles, and then you know, and everything goes, you know, it's spilling from there. Uh, when we talk about toxic femininity. It's very interesting um, because it, it, it again, I feel like that is also in response to toxic, toxic masculinity. It's almost like trying to correct the behavior with bad behavior <laughs> from someone else. Like, okay, men ain't shit. Men ain't picking up. Men, you know what I'm saying? Because we hear, if you go on social media, you'll hear women dog men. We have a mutual friend that every post she puts on social media is about which man done did her wrong and crying the blue. This girl wears me And every man in her life, every man in her life has let her down and disappointed her. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, I'm trying not to take it personally, but when you put it out there like that, I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> but I feel like it's a it's a response to to what we to what you know we want to deem as toxic masculinity. This is a response to that, but it's a but it's a negative behavior responding to another negative behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do this, then I'm gonna do this. That doesn't make either one of y'all right at the end of the day. But we don't want to have the question about that's not right and neither is this. To in order to conceptualize something that could be we. We keep wanting to act like we can't do that. And I don't understand why we act like we can't conceptualize something different than what it is. If it's not working, think something else. Like, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You're being insane right now. Why are we not acting like we can't find a space in the middle? Because it exists. There's enough of us talking about it, but you don't want to hear what we have to say. Because we're not dragging people. We're not trying to be messy. Being positive. You know what I'm saying? And we, the behaviors that we want to correct are behaviors that are not only affecting our lives, but our future children, Definitely. our children that we have. And that's the conversation you want to have because you're still stuck in your trauma. You're still stuck in whatever it is that's bothering you. You can't begin to fathom how life can be different for everybody because you have a problem. Or they've never had to deal with trauma. Like, there's somebody very close in my life who I'm not going to, like, talk about in too much detail describe who they are. But this person has not endured enough trauma in their lives, in my opinion. They've not really had to struggle like trauma or barriers both okay i don't think they've had either okay i feel like doors have opened for this person and while he recognizes his privilege and recognizes that he's had an experience that is not commonplace and is privileged because he's actually not had to endure some hardships like okay yeah he's lost a job but he wasn't fired because of poor performance or because they laid off everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were a, ca- a, a casualty of war, but like you pick up, you keep it moving. Your next opportunity is going to be there, and you're going to rebound just and there's fine. There's probably money to live off of in the in between time. Right. You know, like <laughs> so, if you have opportunities like that, I'm sure you you're doing all right. You know, so like the true struggle, the the, the things that really are. And I'm not saying that there's no character. And I I don't want people to take what I'm saying that way to say, oh, because you've not struggled, that means you have no character, you don't know. 
but it affects you differently. And there's yeah, a way that great. you expose, you approach things, and you understand things, and mm -hmm. it, it affects your empathy and your sympathy in terms of how you perceive things. And that's part of being a man as well. Like, and what I can, you know, consider to be defining being a man. Being a man. Am I in control of my emotions? Yes, but I still have them and I can be empathetic. I can be sympathetic. That's still part of being a man. To, so, like. You mean being human? <laughs> my, favorite, my, favorite, my favorite two words is emotional intelligence because it's not taught and enough throughout our educational journey for people to literally be held accountable to things Don't that we're talking about. At home. Yeah. Our parents can't even learn how to regulate their own emotions, but you expect children to. <laughs> I mean, but that's why people get spanked. That's why they get yelled at. I mean, and all the comedy skits that we've seen growing up, all of us, everybody at this table is black. Mm -hmm. We've all seen that comedy skit where the mama walk in and say, if you don't sit your black ass down before I give you something to cry about. And we all laugh at it. Why? Trauma. Because it <laughs> sheer trauma. Yeah. Part of my life. <laughs> and Johnny had two apples. <laughs> you know, like, like when you're trying to learn, right? Like, like, oh my god! You know, pressure all the time. You're like, yeah. And I feel like the person in my life that I'm describing, like, you know, the person in my life that I'm describing, his mama never put slap him upside the head and said two plus two, nigga, what? Like. I don't feel like that ever happened to him. So, like... It's the truth. <laughs> it is the truth. You know, so... We're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Any parting thoughts before we close out for the night? We're going to kick it to Teddy. Any parting thoughts as we get ready to go? Anything for the good of the orders? I will say it's time to start having a hard conversation. And you're going to have to be okay with being uncomfortable. You are not always going to find a space where you're going to be comfortable or everything is going to appease you because guess what, baby, that ain't living. You are trying to control at that point if you think everything is supposed to respond to you in that regard because it does not. So it's time to have the hard conversations. It's time to be uncomfortable and it's time to change. It's time to be realistic about what's actually happening in front of us and within us at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shady kids, shady kids. Thank you. I'm with Deacon Teddy. I would like to enjoy the past place. Closing thoughts, everyone. All right. <laughs> I just feel like everything that Petty said, um, and then I think that what well, we have come to the conclusion that we have to have a responsibility in our homes. Um, and making sure the things that we want to see out in the world are happening in our world. Um, and it definitely as black people, we laugh about trauma. Um, we laugh so we don't cry. But we just need, as a people, and this is from our different tribes that we are a part of, we need to make sure that we are passing jewels um, and not stones. Because we mm -hmm. pass a lot of stones generationally down that are weighing us down. And I think that we need to be have those uncomfortable conversations so we can pass jewels so that we can see each other shine. Um, and I think that that is as simple as that. Like we really just have to take some ownership in having those conversations because the next ownership and accountability it depends on it. So absolutely, yes. My parting thoughts for the night: uh, spay and neuter your pets and your parents. <laughs> I cannot if you, if, you, if you can put a oh, little jack on there, make sure that you do. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Actually, on the, I got one more thing uh, I wanted to add to what Shady Kid said. 
I think the other thing we need to do is stop always wanting to teach resiliency. Resilience. When you say we pass a lot of stones, we teach resiliency. We teach that you gotta struggle. Mm-hmm. You cry and str- Baby, I want gentleness. Yes. I want some love. Okay. I want some tender. I don't want to always feel like I have to be resilient. And but this the, life, I always want to feel that. I'm you, I don't want to feel that way all the time. You know, I I fully believe that. But like at the same time, like this life, like at 41 years old. This life is a bitch. Like, and if you're not resilient, you're gonna get cheated and spit don't out. I'm not saying teach resiliency, but I feel like that's okay all we're like. Okay. I feel like that's all we're taught. You keep pushing. It's yes. that you pick yourself it's up. You keep, and it's like, but when are when are you gonna teach me how to accept? Gender? Like toxic when positivity. Being nice to me, toxic. When somebody being nice to me, and I'm not thinking you got another angle, but it's okay for me to feel gentle. It's okay for me to feel tender. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't think we. I don't think we also do that in the house. Or with ourselves as well. We we always want to take pride in the struggle. We always want to get over the struggle, be in the struggle, be fighting the struggle. Baby, I want some love and some tender. Like, <coughs> I'm sorry. We're educated. We are going to vindicate ourselves to definitely make sure we create a space where it is okay to not be okay. Um, and we're going to pass jewels, not stones. Create a space to be not be okay. I like that. So we're gonna make sure we spay and neuter our parents. We're gonna stop being resilient. We gonna, we're not gonna stop being. No, resilient. I mean, not stop being resilient, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're not just gonna we're be gonna okay for the sake of being okay. Like, exactly. if we having a bad day, we gonna say I'm having a fucking right. bad yes. day, and we gonna sit the fuck down somewhere yeah. and take That's a nap. Okay, eradicated. And that is the eradicated podcast.